Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Chasing Discomfort podcast. In this episode, we get the opportunity to sit down and catch up with CrossFit Games athlete Scott Jenkins. Scott is a very, very unique character and uh, one I had the pleasure of being coached under for a number of years. I uh, really enjoyed this conversation. He's got a very unique way of looking at things and, and his outlook is um, wouldn't fit the, the normal mould, should we say, of, of what you think um, you know a, a top elite world athlete um, has in his repertoire or, or routine. Um, head over to our Instagram page at I Am Chasing Discomfort and Team Chasing Discomfort for more updates on future podcasts where you can leave some comments and let us know your thoughts on how the um, podcast is going. Apart from that, let's dive in. Enjoy. Scott Jenkins, welcome to the Chasing Discomfort podcast. Yeah, hello, Jay. It's an honour to have you on, mate. Uh, really excited and looking forward to this conversation. I know you're going to give me a no-holds-barred, honest, very blunt uh, answers to the questions that we've got lined up for you. But before we dive into you and your fitness journey and your philosophy and training methods, what does it mean to you to chase discomfort? Right, that's probably changed over the years. I, I used to find things where I thought I was chasing discomfort, but it turned out it was things I was actually comfortable with. It's like certain workouts, you think, oh, that one really hurts. I can make myself really uncomfortable in that. But then you realise that you're, that other voice in your head is giving you excuses not to. And um, I started thinking about what made me nervous and what didn't. And mostly CrossFit workouts don't make me nervous. Um, putting myself out there to compete, that's what I call discomfort. Uh, because I'm more scared of losing than I'm scared of any like workout pain. So yeah, putting yourself in the arena, entering stuff, that's what I call discomfort. The and man, the man yeah. in the arena. Yeah, yeah, because I, I know that it's going to, a bad show at a, a competition, that's going to affect me for months mentally. Whereas a workout, as you well know, as soon as you're finished, you're back in your comfort zone. Well, sometimes after a few minutes, we're yeah, <laughs> laying around on the floor. So let me do my best to introduce you. Um, our part doing CrossFit together, and you are the first Englishman to qualify for the CrossFit Games. And like an Englishman. Yeah. There was a Scotsman that qualified before me. I was there. Um, but that was back in the days when all you had to do was turn up to qualify. <laughs> I was the first one. You, the first, this is a bit controversial because people really argue on the internet about it. I was the first one to qualify when it actually was a challenge. And I think what's, what people need to appreciate and understand that maybe don't follow CrossFit or understand it, uh, the CrossFit Games is effectively like the World Cup uh, of football for elite CrossFit athletes. And that's from all over the world. And there is multiple qualifying get there. So you really are. What, what, what was the total athletes, Scott, in your, in your year? Um... I think it gets on, when I was in the 45 to 49s, it was about 20 to 30,000. Peaked in around 2017 at about 40, 50,000. Yeah. And, and since over 50, 
and I ain't got to compete yet because obviously there ain't been no games in the last year and a half or so. Yeah. Well, not for Masters athletes anyway. Hmm. Um, yeah, I reckon there's about 25,000 in my group at the minute. And how many of you went to the final when you went to the games? 20 in um, 2015 and yeah, 20 in both years. So you're in the top 20 males in the world across multiple countries and continents and you're throwing it down. Um, you, you're putting your body on the line, doing some serious, serious workouts. And a question that I've always asked a lot of my guests is that when, when it's getting serious and you're going through the mix in a workout, what is going through your mind? Right. <laughs> That's funny. I don't, I, my mind goes pretty... My eyes roll back a bit and I go into another world mainly. Mostly when I was at the games, what's going through my mind is the massive ball that you can see with your name on. And it's pretty much, it changes your position depending on how many reps you've done. And it's... Um, it was the LA Galaxy Stadium, so you can imagine how big this thing is. And the main thing is, I'm trying not to go too fast too soon. Um, watching everyone, you can pretty much keep your eye on everyone that's there. There was one workout, I think you started off with um, 10 deadlifts at 180 kilos, and this was a 20-minute chipper. And I thought, I'm going to do these unbroken and get a lead on everyone. <laughs> I've done them unbroken, started running to the GHD, which was the next exercise, and everyone ran with me. It was like, oh, my God. <laughs> a little bit different to a competition in Manchester. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Look, I, I want to come back to this because um, this, this is, in my eyes, what you're famous for and, and, you know, currently what you're absolutely smashing. But talk, talk to me about your fitness journey. So where did it all start for you? Was you a sporty kid? Did you pick up athletics when you was young? Yeah, my dad tried me out at every sport. He wanted me to like be a professional sportsman. So he just made me generally do everything. I think, looking back, I think he spread me a little bit thin. Um, athletics would have probably been what I'd have been best at, but I didn't like the look. I wanted mm. to be a bit bigger. He used to make us do press-ups and sit-ups so we weren't allowed dinner, just stuff like that. So, yeah, it was pretty... I liked it. My brother hated it, but mm. he's always what? been... So... What sort of age was that when you were doing your press-ups and sit-ups for dinner? Um, four or five years old. Wow. Yeah, we used to go for runs with him as well, so. Cool. And uh, what, what sports did you get into or did you enjoy when you were younger? Athletics, um, tennis, horse riding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> show jumping and a bit of cross country. I had a really, I can't, I'm not being bad on the yours, but I had a really shit pony. So <laughs> horse boxes with mummy, like posh kids and that. And yeah. I, my auntie Brenda, she used to work at the riding school. So she used to get me in for lessons and I shared, a, I shared a pony with a school. So everyone used to ride her in the lessons and that. And then I'd turn up and I'd get an hour, an hour go. Mm. But yeah. That was quite good. That was up to about 15 when I started getting too big for the horses. So. Yeah. And you was competing, was you, at a national level for that? No, no. My, no? my horse was nowhere near good enough. <laughs> only so much you can do with a fluffy pony. So, But, yeah, I, I used to have to ride. If I was doing the competition, I used to have to ride the horse there. So by the time I got there, the poor horse was knackered as well. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, pretty well. Did you used to do well. I used to end up with... Um, Loads of rosettes on the horse, 
go back to the stables, show off to everyone about what I've won. Nothing's changed much there, though. So. <laughs> um, humble as ever, Scott. Yeah. yeah, humble as ever and still a worst loser in the world. <laughs> I don't even bother hiding it now. It's like, I can't help it. It just, I, I can't. You know, when you really don't want to do something or say something, I'll, I'll give up now. It just shows all over my face. Where does that come from? Where does that competitive drive come from? Where's the fire in the belly? What 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 has spoke stoked that? Um, a lot of people, because I was a skinny and a late developer, a lot of people told me when I said, oh, I'm going to... Um, I think I pointed to a cardboard cutout of Jean-Claude Van Damme and said, I'm going to be like that in about a year's time. And they laughed at me. Um, me old man, if you didn't win, you didn't get nothing. You didn't get no compliments. You didn't get a lift home. If I'm in like um, 10 miles away and athletics meet and I come second, I've got to walk home or run home, extra training, so for losing. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, so, and w but when you do actually get a compliment, when he, do when he treats you like that, when you do actually get a compliment, it's worth something. Yeah. It's like well, when you, I don't, don't throw compliments around everywhere because then no one's going to take the notice. They're going to think, oh, he's just blowing wind up me arse, you know what I mean? Mm. Where, you, um, if they take something to him, blimey, give me a compliment. It's, yeah, it means something then. Yeah, it's because you mean it and you're not just yeah. feeling air. What, what disciplines of athletics was you involved in? I was a longer distance because I was a skinny. So yeah. I was 1,500 metres for school. I used to try and do triple jump. I was pretty crap at that. Never been that explosive. Um, sometimes if there weren't enough people to... Fill the spots. I used to come down to the eight hundred or the four hundred. Can you can you remember like your sort of best mile time or best best fifteen hundred time back then? Fifteen hundreds. I used to get about four fifty in general. I was um I used to go Enfield Areas Running Club Tuesday and Thursday nights, and um I was kind of getting a little bit left behind the others of my age category, but that again was because I was a late developer. And the coach there, he said to me, just hang on, just keep with the training and you will catch up with them and go past them sooner mm. or later. But I didn't hang on, I started weight training instead. So, so what, what, what pushed that jump then from, is that just because you wanted to get size? Yeah, I wanted to be musclier, mm. basically. I wanted to look better and um, I liked bodybuilding, but I hated the competitions. Yeah. And you, you made the move, right, into natural bodybuilding? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why that. I was um, third in the UK was my best finish in that. I won the South East Championships. Um, loads of people wanted to coach me at that because they said I had the um, good symmetry for it and pretty good for it, yeah. Hmm. How, did, how did you make that jump then? Was that just, like you said, you see the Claude Van Damme poster and you was like, I want to look like that? Yeah. Yeah, I get really addictive personality. I started going to the gym and then that was it. And then as soon as I see it, see it happening, I thought, right, yeah, I'm having this. So, yeah, it just kept it going. I don't think I've missed, um, since I started training, I've probably, even going on holiday, I've never had more than one day in a row off. And what age is that from? Um, I, I probably had two years around the age of 17 when I turned into a total delinquent. Hmm. And then I settled down a bit and started training again. And then when I had my second delinquent phase, about 30 to 33, I kept training for it. But I just used to go yeah. to the gym and go to the pub straight after it. So, yeah. But yeah, I've always, always trained.
My last few holidays have been to Mallorca because um, I know the owner of CrossFit Mallorca. So, is that Rob Martin? Yeah, that's him. Yeah, yeah. One of the boys that I'm, I'm friends with. He used to go to school with him. Yeah, he's a really nice guy. Yeah. CrossFit holidays. Yeah, he used to go down there, train with him most of the time, and then he give me a lift back to my hotel. So it's brilliant. Mm, cool. So, are you saying basically you've trained for pretty much thirty years straight? Um. 40, yeah. 40 years straight. Yeah. Yeah. Right. With CrossFit athletes, I don't think you've, your competitive career, I think, is fairly limited. Mm. That's why I've had to really change the way I train over the last few years. What, more to keep an eye out for your recovery, to avoid getting injuries? or Yeah. Yeah, avoid breaking yourself down constantly. Constantly heavy Olympic lifting when... Um, you only learn it at the age of 40, so you're not entirely mobile for it. Just smashes your joints up again and again. Um, that's if you're doing it competitively. Yeah. I've found that since this um, lockdown business has been going on, I thought, well, I'm going to take off a, a year off of doing things I don't like that I think hurt me. So basically, I've been doing gymnastics because I love it, and I've been doing a lot of rowing and rowing competitions lately. So getting more into that. Um, I've been keeping the fitness up so that when anything does open up competition-wise, I can get straight back in there. Mm. And strength as well. Kept the deadlifts and the back squats. Yeah. Pretty much not the head, not Olympic lifting off on the head for a year. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about your, your current training schedule then. What's, a, what's an average week look for like for you at the moment? Obviously, you're considered in like off-season because there's because of COVID, there's no competitions going on. What's, what's an average sort of week look like for you so i always have a class about 10 and i start training i train from about 11 30 to 1 30 every day mm -hmm. um, usually consists of one conditioning effort that means something that you're pushing yourself from 80 percent to 100 percent i only like to push 100 percent now once a week right. i think I'm, you can get any fitter once you've got to the, your fitness level by just hitting 100 percent all the time you just um crash your nervous system yeah 80% efforts still look pretty nasty. Um, so conditioning, I'll do some strength. I'll do what I call bulletproofing. Comes mm -hmm. from Ben Bergman's um, programming because I do follow a bit of comp train as well. Yeah. Uh, bulletproofing is a lot of things like band work, just strengthening your glutes, bench press, things like that. Light dumbbell press, making sure you're keeping your core tight. Loads of extra core work. And that is how I get the volume in that I need because um, if I don't train enough, I get a bit like, get a bit mad and I'm not like smashing the crap out of myself. Yeah. So it's, it's much more sensible the way I'm training now, but still getting just as good a stimulus. Yeah. So is it sort of almost like bordering on like that minimal dose sort of training? So you're not, like you say, you're not hammering yourself into the ground. Um, yeah but you're not losing strength and you're not using your conditioning. It's kind of, but minimal, I can't do. I still have to do two hours in like the morning. I call it the morning, 11.30 to 1.30. Yeah. And come back here in the evening, do another Zoom class for me members. And then I'll do um, what I call, well, what made me think of your um, chasing discomfort. I just do things I feel uncomfortable, playing my music quite loud. And I get into positions that I find really hard to get into and just mm -hmm. hold for 10 minutes, like the bottom of the squat, or an overhead squat with a band stretched. Just things that you feel like you're going to, 
you're shaking like really hard to do. Handstand yeah. three minutes, just all that kind of stuff. Um, a lot of sort of almost like uh, mobility work, but with a bit of tension with a band. And... Mobility work, there's some stretches that are really uncomfortable to get into and see how long you can hold them. Mm. Yeah, just do stuff like that. And I find, I feel like over the um, period of this lockdown, I've made a lot of improvements. So, yeah. And that, that second piece that you do, Scott, in the evening, roughly how long does that last? Um, about an hour, I'd say. Yeah. If I don't think I trained enough that day, I will do more. Mm. I don't tend to schedule rest days either. For one reason, the night before, I'll be in a really bad mood if I know I've got a rest day the next day. Yeah. So sometimes I'll wake up and a rest day will just happen and I haven't had to dread it. This, um, this reminds me of a quote, that, and I'm, I'm sorry, mate, but I'm going to pour on these quotes because they just stick with me and they have done for years and they will continue. But I remember once and you told me with so much passion um, that if a doctor told you that you would die today for training, you would still go and train that day. Oh, yeah. And, and you was 100% serious. There was no doubt. In your, in your eyes, your mind, your attitude, your tone, the way you was telling me that you was going to train no matter what. Yeah, because I think I'd die inside if I stopped anyway. It'd just be a slow death, wouldn't it? <laughs> comfort is a slow death, as they say. Yeah, comfort's a slow death. I, I don't mind a bit of comfort as long as I know I've hurt myself. Not hurt myself. I've put myself through discomfort that day, yeah. As soon as yeah. I've got a really nasty workout, it's like the rest of the day I'm in a better mood. It's so worth it. That like ten minutes of really bad, feeling really bad for like um, twenty four hours of feeling really good. Unless you felt that, you wouldn't really understand it. I've spoke to some people that really don't understand it. That's that's one of the ethos of, of the podcast. You know, we're not saying go and smash yourself twenty four seven. But again, something that you said with me a long time ago and still sticks with me is that every day you should do something that scares you. Yeah. And, force yourself out of that comfort zone so you know whether that's a hard workout um you know it could be standing up and presenting to people if, if that's you if that's something you're not comfortable with but it's like you, you know from adversity comes blessings you're only going to grow by by doing stuff that you're not comfortable with and putting yourself out of that comfort zone so what how long did it sort of take you to to mold that mindset what you know what what sort of formed that for you I think I've had it since I remember, really. Um, it's a lot, it's, you know, in films you watch where it says, say yes to everything. Mm. Well, I've watched that before. That don't quite work because that can get you in really bad trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of that way of thinking. It's like yeah. the, the thing that um, scares me most today is doing this. I've never done this before. Right. Yeah, I was like, I get nervous more about this sort of thing than I do about the sort, like, say, jumping off the roof. Well, depends how I, I suppose. But, yeah. 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 This is probably the thing that scares me today. It comes in so many different forms. It's just uncomfortable situations, um, changing your passwords on things. You don't know how to <laughs> I hate that. So, um, this, this rewind the clock a little bit. How did you find CrossFit? How did you come across it? Right, I was, um, I'd just moved to Chelmsford and I'd started training at Fitness First. Mm -hmm. This 
was when there was no CrossFit gyms around. I think CrossFit Essex existed, but I hadn't actually, I hadn't realised it was there because they don't really market. Um, it was 2007, I might have said that already, and got to the gym, it was quarter to eight, and I didn't know, Friday nights they closed at eight. So the guy said, oh, it ain't worth it, mate, we're closing in 15 minutes. So I was like, oh, fuck off, mate. And I just went in, and I just put my body weight on the deadlift, and I'd done 100 deadlifts as quick as I could, then 100 bent over rows as quick as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the trainers, he went, are you doing CrossFit? And I went, what's that? And he said to me, um, I'll go home and Google it. So I went home, looked at it, and at the time, CrossFit.com had a workout of the day. They still do now, but yeah. back then it was like religiously followed by a lot of Americans. And um, yeah, I got home and I see this workout. It was 10, 10 rounds of 15 deadlift at 60 kilos, 15 push-ups. And the American champion done it in nine minutes something. So the next day I went to fitness first and done it in eight minutes something. Um, my push-ups were probably dog shit. I was probably not going all the way down because I hadn't, I hadn't learned the rules of CrossFit where you've got a meat range of motion and all that. Yeah. It's probably not standing all the way up, I admit that. But from that, I thought, bloody hell, I can do well at this. Hmm. I'd always said beforehand as well, I need something where you have to run and do endurance and you have to lift weights because I'm never going to beat the endurance athletes at running because they're too skinny and they beat me. I was trying to beat them at tough guy and I just could not compete. They used to just run and run. And I'm never going to be a powerlifter because I'm naturally skinny. So I needed something that combined it and it was like, oh my God, I found it. This is like perfect. I love that you can remember that first workout from 2007. Com. For the people that are sort of not aware of the the legacy, if you like, or the infamacy of CrossFit.com, it was where the first CrossFit wads originated from. People would basically, they'd release a workout of the day and you'd go on and you could comment. So it was almost like the early stages of social media, you know, not like what you've got now with Instagram and, and, and all the other different sort of outlets. So that was almost like the first sort of fitness social media. Um, and guys used to have banter with one another on there, put up their times. And, you know, it, it was a competitive um, internet-based sort of website, almost a bit like the bodybuilding.com forums, um, but for CrossFit, right? Yeah. Um, as you say with the banter, when I first started putting my scores in, there was a guy called Nick Nichols from Texas. A guy, he was um, about the same age as me. Hated wall balls because he was blind in one eye and he had no depth perception. So <laughs> constantly hitting the face by the wall ball. We've all been there. He used to train in, I remember he used to train in jeans and these boots, like these big brown boots. And then there was Richard Van Mierbeek. He now owns, um, can't think of the name at the minute, but a big CrossFit gym in um, Belgium. Mm. And we used to compare our times. Another guy called Ernie, he was from um, Florida. And us, we used to just talk on the message board every day before the workout, and we'd all go and do the workout, and then we'd have another chat after doing the workout. And that was how I used to get my competition, because I'm addicted to competing. Yeah. Yeah. You was instantly hooked from that first workout. Yeah. I had such an old computer back then. I used to get up, hit the button to turn it on. I knew if I went and made my breakfast, by the time I come back, you would have the workout of the day on the screen. Yeah. And I- I don't know if anyone, everyone gets it, but you know that excited feeling? Like Christmas every morning when you were a kid. I was like that. 
Oh, mate, I've, I've been there. Like, I remember alarm clock going off, and the first thing I'm doing is searching for that day's workout. And if it wasn't released, I'd be, like, on the group, what's the workout? What's going on? Because you just, like, yeah, you might not be working out for another 12 hours, but you just – and then I used to build up this weird, crazy anxiety that – um <laughs> Like if it was something that I didn't think I was good at or I didn't like or I was I wasn't comfortable doing, like I I sort of build up this crazy nervousness, like like I was going into a fight. Um, yeah. And in your early days of CrossFit, for me, I found it very intimidating. You know, standing there in the corner of the box waiting for the class to finish, and you're watching these monsters like dunking all this noise and doing double unders and, and movements that you've never done before and you know you're just trying to you can I, I come from like a bodybuilding uh, boxing background where i was getting a little bit more into sort of strength and conditioning but nowhere near the levels of what the sort of crossfit stuff was at the time and um yeah it's it, like from from an outside view in it was ferocious it was like how the fuck am i going to learn how to do all this stuff or move as as well as these guys but you quickly realize if you if you you know get your form bang on from an early day keep that ego in check with loading up the bar or, or going too hard too quick you know you're able to um sort of you know progress and and for me like the the one biggest thing that i've loved about crossfit is is that word progression um it's just you're able to do things that with your body that you know when you first started or years ago you, you never think that you'd be in a position and be able to sort of do so you've obviously got your competitive-natured anyway. When did you start first getting into um, CrossFit workouts? Uh, competition, sorry, Scott. I'm pretty sure my first one was um, in Dublin because you had to travel right. to find a CrossFit competition at CrossFit Island. And mm -hmm. there was, um, the standard back then, you'll love it. The final event, I had to win it to win overall. I had double unders, but they were bad. I used to nearly, my heels used to hit my arse. <laughs> when I had double unders, I'd be on the floor breathing out my arse. Like. Um, the guy who was my biggest danger, he used to do double single, double single, double single. Like, and this is meant to be the top range competition. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the first one. Yeah, that was the first competition I ever did. I think and after that, there was a man, they'd done a Manchester one. And that one, um, yeah, yeah, that, that that one, I realised that there was a lot of people that didn't like the way I um, went about my training, as in my nutrition. I think so, um, they had all their paleo boxes, and I don't know if you mind me saying it on here, but I used to still smoke twenty a day back then. Well, this was one of the questions because again, another quote that sticks with me um, from you was post workout and. Uh, probably basking in another victory you were saying that the reason why um you're good at crossfit is because your lungs have been used to being put under pressure by smoking for so long and so much yeah that was um that has, that theory has been used they mm. must make their athletes smoke during training and then not smoke during competing mm. um, obviously that's gonna not lengthen their lives yeah yeah. Yeah, I've stopped smoking now. 
There is there is a very famous footballer um, used to play for Chelsea, Gianluca Vialli, that uh, was very open about his cigarette smoking, and and he said the same thing, like because his lungs are used to working under less oxygen by smoking, that you know when he's playing a game, he's obviously not smoking, and therefore you know he's he's, he's performing better because he's used to he's getting more oxygen than than what he ever would. Um, Quite controversial this conversation. So. Yeah. When I gave up smoking, I didn't yeah. start vaping instead now. I still vape now. Mm -hmm. uh, it's more of a habit thing with me. I just feel like there was something I needed to be doing all the time. Mm. I didn't notice that much change in my training whatsoever. My, I've, still, I've still got workouts that I haven't beat the PB, my personal best on, from when I was smoking. But one thing I did notice, my rowing went through the roof. So... Yes, I've seen you've been in some rowing competitions recently, haven't you? And you've been, that's, this is worldwide rankings, right? Yeah, I, I didn't quite qualify for the worldwide 2,000 metre finals, but I, I was British champion at 500 metres um, online. Uh, and I come about, I come fourth in the UK on the 2,000 metres. Well, I think 2,000 metres is where it's at for me. I, my 500 was just um, ugly, ugly as hell. I just yanked it. What, what was your 500 time? Um, 121's my best. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's still moving. That's, that's going some, isn't it? Yeah, fit the, yeah the commentator. If, if you ain't heard the commentary, you should find it. It's hilarious. The commentator says I'm going at 50 plus strokes per minute. Yeah. Um, they said I must, because they couldn't see us. They could only see our boats going across the screen because everyone was linked in online. They said he must be some mm. really short, stocky guy if he could do that many strokes a minute. They didn't realise I was hardly bending my legs and I was just using my arms. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. with the 2K though, I feel like I could build that and I feel like I've got a chance of um, being really top ranked in that. Mm. And so it's good for me to keep for the future if my knees completely break. Yeah. Because I can still row with broken knees. So I can still keep competing then. I like that theory. Oh, yeah. John <laughs> Cleese, when he gets his arms and legs chopped off. <laughs> well, have to strap you to the rower. What, yeah. um, what's your current 2K time then, PB time? Um, about a month ago, I was 6.26. That's my um, best wow. time position. I've done a 6.25. Yeah. But I feel like I have more because um, I was going at 1.37, 500-metre pace, and I finished with a bit of a sprint, so... I'd like to get, you need to get down to about 6.19 to win a UK event, I think. That's, um, that's a ridiculous pace, isn't it? That's, that's, that's pushing some. I mean, if you think, you said 121 for your 500. Yeah. And you was averaging over the 2K, couldn't have been that far off of that, could it? 136 to 137, that is. Wow. That's, that's holding some serious pace. Yeah, 135. Is six minute twenty pace. Mm. One minute forty is seven minutes pace. So that is the that difference is huge. Yeah. So every second per five hundred meters you're going faster, it does make a big difference. Mm. And are you when you when you're done, are you spent? Like are you literally rolling off the rower and? Uh, when I've done the five hundred and the two hundred on the same day, I had five hours in between them, mm. and. I I was like, you know, when you sit there like that and you just drained. Yeah. I was, 
And the thing was, I'd done the 2000 and I'd done everything I could to win that. And I ended up split second, fourth place. So I just got pushed out of the medals and I was done. And I thought, I'm the favourite to win the 500 and I am fucked. Yeah. And I've blown it. But luckily I held on. I actually got two seconds faster the day before in the heats for the 500 than I did for the final. But luckily, I just had enough to hang on. Yeah. Yeah. What did you do in between those five hours? Talk to me about your sort of recovery uh, protocols. Sat in the office and vaped for most of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably spent the first hour outside feeling like I was going to throw up. Yeah. Yeah, try to eat some food. I'm not very good at eating on a competition day. I don't get hungry. Um, I don't, I'm not sensitive. I'm not one of them people that can have a bad day diet and then not do well the next day. I, will, I could go out on the piss and um, compete and I'd probably get the same time as if I went to bed early. So yeah. I'm not sensitive to that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, supplements, I've never really noticed any difference with them, so... Do you use anything for training, like caffeine, no. sodium? I've drunk all the knockout in the gym now. I was selling it here. I've <laughs> the whole fucking gym for a knockout. <laughs> some more. Yeah, I have a knockout. That's like a caffeine drink, if you don't know. Yeah. You probably do know, don't you? Yeah. Uh, at the minute, I'm taking zinc and vitamin D, but that's purely because of um, what's going on at the minute. Mm. I had COVID about five weeks ago. Did you? Yeah, yeah, it went through quite a lot of people around me. Mm. So I went and got tested and was positive. <laughs> Drove straight back and then um, trained. <laughs> did Did you feel like ill? Because a few people have mentioned that they've just almost like just had a bit of a cold for a couple of days. Uh, Ill, you know. I had a weird smell for an hour, and I don't mm. even know if it was a smell or a taste. It was like in the back of my nose, and I thought that's horrible. It was just like when I was breathing. Yeah. As far as working out goes, I on the I follow comp train and I'm on a leaderboard every day mm -hmm. from all over the world. It's pretty much the top fifty athletes in my division yeah. on this board. And I usually win, but I had a couple of seconds that week. <laughs> so I reckon it affected me a little bit. Yeah. Top end. Um bit of an headache. So I think that's just, um, for anyone listening, just goes to show if you're metabolically fit, like metabolically conditioned from exercising, like, yeah, you, you still are susceptible or susceptible even to picking up viruses, but how quickly you recover and get over those, um, you know, compared to, um, you know, someone who's got health conditions or, you know, not would not be considered sort of healthy by the normal sort of, uh, you know, reviews. Um, you know, the, the Matt Fraser, which, you know, for people that are listening, don't really follow CrossFit too much. He's the sort of deemed one of the greatest of all times, uh, five times CrossFit Games champion. And, you know, he said he, he went hunting and um, all the guys that he was with got it. And he didn't even go and test himself, but he just said he lost his smell and taste for a week. Continued training as normal. Um, didn't really, didn't really feel anything like he just had a bit of a runny nose, and, and that was it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. On that testing thing, 
I think he still should have probably gone and got tested just to find out if he's had it because it, it's quite handy to know if you've had it or not. Yeah. Even if it's not going to affect you. Yeah. Also, I do know a couple of people that are really fit that have had it quite bad. So right. they're saying in America a few places that it's your blood type's part to do with it. But yeah. you are right in what you're saying. If you're really fit, you're lowering the chances mm -hmm. of you getting it badly. But obviously there is um, outlaying cases with everything. But yeah, generally, generally it, you've got a much 50 times better chance of getting through it without too many symptoms if you are really fit. That's what I think. Hmm. There's so many different opinions out there, though, isn't it? Well, they're like ourselves, right? Everyone's got one. Yeah, yeah. Stronger people are hard to kill, though. We must be able to agree on that one, Scott. I remember the T-shirts. <laughs> yeah. Something to do with stronger people um, are much more useful than harder to kill. Yeah. This... Um... We did touch on it, but I want to go back to it. You, you said that your the the way your your nutrition at CrossFit competitions didn't quite fit in with the typical CrossFit prescription or standard. This yeah. uh, this dive into your world of nutrition because I know we've had chats in the past and it's been quite um, interesting, shall we say? So, what's your what's your sort of philosophy or your take on on food? I ate the night before. I don't eat on a day. I'll go somewhere like and have a huge pizza, chicken and all stuff like that. Just get a load of calories in me. Fat's good. Fat's great for energy. Mm -hmm. uh, rack of ribs, something like that. Just make sure I've really stuffed myself. Then the next day, something light for breakfast. And then it's just coffee. Yeah. Yeah, for the rest of the day. Probably, I, I have people who have like, helped me out competitions and that that they insist that I drink water and that because I do forget things like that so mm. but yeah generally on the day not much my my diet though is naturally quite good but that's yeah. not a fan of sugary foods um, I do love pizza fish and chips and things like that mm. but generally yeah generally I'll have boxes of food like chicken broccoli rice every day but I will have a sandwich every afternoon, a cheese, tomato and onion sandwich. You, you're famous for your cheese sandwich. It says it on your CrossFit Games bio, right? You can sprinkle cheese on anything and I'd like it. <laughs> There's another famous Scott Jenkins quote um, that I, was... Um, I don't know when I've said them to you. <laughs> fuck, it's just gone flying out of my brain. What was it about nutrition? Oh, this is it. So you only eat fish and chips with your shirt pulled up. So every time you eat a chip, you can see if your abs are disappearing or not. <laughs> That's one of them quotes I say to you when I'm winding you all up. <laughs> oh, I've got loads of them, mate. I've got loads of them. And, uh, I, I do get like that, though. I do get a bit paranoid about things. Hmm. Um, there is no way I'd get as much joy out of eating a massive cake as I get crap afterwards of like regretting it. I don't know why. I don't put on weight that easy, so I don't know why I'm quite like it. Do you, but, do you, do you weigh and track your food? What's that? Do you weigh and track your food? No. no. It's so much in my sleep. I could never yeah. track food. I wake up with like crackers and cheese in my bed. And, <laughs> like stuff everywhere. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Always in the fridge at about three in the morning. Really? I, could, I really could not be bothered with all that. Yeah. It comes along the lines, I'm not sensitive enough. I don't think my performance would be changed by me 
weighing food. Mm. Um, I'm told I eat way less than I should as well. Because I'm here. I suppose you got um, you you got to understand the way of manipulating nutrition when you was doing your bodybuilding days, right? Yeah, but we was all stupid. We used to eat like when we was competing. It was um, turkey, broccoli, and a jacket potato seven times a day for competing. Mm. I used, to do, I used to only do six weeks of dieting for that. And I used to switch from Kestrel Super to Brandy. <laughs> what, what was the switch for? The switch was there's a lot more calories in, in four cans of Kestrel Super yeah. than a bottle of Brandy. Right. That's what I have every night, four cans of Kestrel now. You're still on the Kestrel, yeah? Yeah. yeah. There's been days where I've gone up, well, months where I've gone up to five. Hmm. And a few months where I went down to three, but I'm currently on four a night. Right. <laughs> it's the only way I get asleep, probably. Yeah? Yeah. Five I tend to have an afternoon nap now. I come and do my training in the morning, go home, come back here at six, class and train again, and I have a nap about three o'clock when the place in the sun's on. Mm. So what, is, what's that, like a 20-minute nap or something like that? Um... It's meant to be an hour, but I think the first 30 minutes is me laying there with my eyes closed. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. It's because I only probably sleep about five hours a night, so. Right, okay. So would that, including that one hour nap, that's six in total, you saying? Yeah, about six hours. Yeah. I never get tired, so it's, it works pretty well for me. I don't advise anyone to do any of these habits, by the way, especially not my members. <laughs> It's just stuff I've worked out I get away with. Yeah. You know what? The last time I didn't have a drink before bed was at the 2016 CrossFit Games. And I thought, right oh, last year I had some beers every night before I competed. This year I'm going to try the not drinking thing because everyone says to me, imagine what you could do if you didn't drink or you didn't smoke and things like that. I thought I'd give it a go. That was the worst performance ever. So... I was 16th in 2016 out of the top 20 in the world. I was 9th in 2015. Your body was probably getting withdrawals. It probably was. It was probably didn't change. Yeah. Not that on the head, that idea. That's crazy, isn't it? Like, if it, honestly, if I had one can of beer now, it would kill me for about two days. And I'd probably bitch about it more than what, what like, I actually should. But it just knocks me up, something rotten. It just, it just proper does me in. Is that all alcohol or just beer? Um, allegedly, and I don't know how true this is, but I've got uh, an intolerance to yeast, brewer's yeast. Right. So anything like beer, cider, anything like that. And apparently, again, white wine. Um, but I've not drunk now since, well, over a year. So last February the 7th was the last time I had five Peronis. And the time before, that was about six months before. And I woke up and I just thought, do you know what? Fuck this, I'm done. Like, I've had my crazy nights out where I've gone on benders and been drinking out of saucepans and doing all crazy shit with booze when I was younger. But, um, yeah, it don't do me any favours, mate. And because I'm, I'm so into my training, um, it's something that, that, you know, that Justin Medeiros, the young uh, lad who was sort of whipping up Fraser at the games? Yeah, I remember. He's only 22, and he got interviewed and, and to him, like... Um, oh, you've never drunk alcohol in your life. And he was like, no, everyone thinks I'm really good for doing that. He went, but he went to me, it's just a toxin. So why why would you put a toxin in your body? It's going to negatively affect your training. Um, 
And I, I get, like, there's 7 billion people in the world. We're not all the same. So if you can deal with it and it's not a problem, then, you know, knock yourself out. But for me, it just, it, it ruins me for two days. And then I'm almost, like, suicidal after that because, yeah, it just, just doesn't agree with me one bit. No. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that works with everything. We are different with everything. And the older you are, the more you work out what works for you and what don't work for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Extra sleep I've got by drinking the lager, <laughs> the alcohol, help yeah. me better than staying awake, nervous all night about the next day's competition. Yeah. So this quickly this quickly run through your sort of build up to the games because that's that's not a, a five minute job you didn't think oh, i'm going to go to the crossfit games this year you know you put in you, you probably well not probably i'd say from the people that i know and trained with i'm going to put it out there and say you're the most dedicated person that i've ever uh, in regards to their level of effort that you put in to your your training you know you immerse yourself in that world um, talk us through the sort of journey that, that got you there. I know you started in the early days, sort of travelling over the UK to get some um, to get in some national competitions. But what was the what was the bit or the changing point for you that you thought like this is going to be my I'm going to attack this now. This is going to be my time. Like, how did you sort of set your plan and and, and change and, and get there? So the first CrossFit Games was 2007. Mm-hmm. That was just a bunch of people that were friends that met up on Dave Castro's ranch. Yeah. And they picked the workouts randomly. Mm-hmm. That was about the same time that I started CrossFit. And um, the quick answer is I'll, just, I'll say, I'm going to go and win that. As soon as I'd done that first CrossFit workout, I thought, I'm going to win that. Um, I've been like that with everything now. I was going to be Mr. Universe when I was doing bodybuilding. Um, everything I do, I can't help but try and be the best at. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that's when I just started trying to learn everything, get into everything. Every time I see a competition, because there was only so few competitions, I'd see a new movement appear. And I think, right, I've got to learn that now. Mm. The great thing about CrossFit there's always something to find. Mm. First, you've got to get these kipping toes to bar. Then you've got to get chest to bar. Then a new way of doing it comes out where someone's evolved. And it was basically just trying to keep up. But when we first started doing it, clean and jerk and snatch, I loved it. No one used to use technique. It was just really muscled up. And where I come from a bodybuilding background, I had the strength already. Yeah. Whereas there was guys starting CrossFit that were just fitness freaks and they had no backup of muscle. Mm. So by the first few years, I could win most of the competitions pretty easy. And the worst thing that happened to me was it was like the games was um, from 2010 to 2015. It was like the games was at my fingertips. So it kept dragging me along. Missed out by two places one year. Then they decided that um, over 45s were master's categories. So I was still competing against the 20-year-olds when I was 43. Mm-hmm. When I was 42, 43, I was the best of my age in the world. Um, there was me and Bill Grundler, and we was pretty much similar. He's like the commentator. You've yeah. seen yeah. And we used to finish, out of the over 40s, we used to finish way ahead of anyone else. As I got to 45, it just got to that point where people were coming into the sport and they put a new, a new um, division in. Mm. 
And I missed out, I think, um, something like 22nd. I had to start till three in the morning watching myself drop out of that qualification. And it just kept away from me year after year until I finally got there in 2015. And yeah, it was a nervous process, really nervous. But as you say, effort-wise, there was nothing I would not do. If I was told, if I come here 24 hours a day and train continuously, which I would like, if I had to do that to get there, I would do it. Um, people around me, they know what I'm like. They knew what I was like when they met me. So I have no problem with anyone around me trying to, trying to change that either. Mm. They totally settled <laughs> with it. Um, yeah, I wish, if you'd done 24 hours of CrossFit, I wish you got better than the guy who'd done 22 hours because then I'd always put in extra work. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that is how bad I, that is how bad I am with it. I probably spend six hours a day at the minute doing stuff that makes me better for CrossFit. And that's mobility-wise and everything like that. Mm. Rolling, making a phone rolling for an hour so that I can train my legs again the next day. Just everything. Yeah. Is, is, that, is that level of dedication and discipline that you, you've installed in yourself, like, is it... Is that sort of checkbox routine for you that, that makes you feel that, you know, it, even like you say, you're fine rolling for an hour. Now, in saying that out loud sounds quite easy, but trust me, to have the discipline to do that every single day, like you've got to be highly motivated. Well, actually, no, nah, you've got to be highly disciplined to do it. Um, you know, do you have days where you think, Oh, I can't be asked to do this, or fuck it, I'll, I'll skip that, or, or I'll do that, or I'll do double tomorrow. Like, how do you sort of deal deal, deal with your own routine, or, or are you just so... I've kicked, I've kicked that voice that says don't do it, Dan, so much, you don't bother talking no more. Yeah. If Say you're in your living room and the TV's on. Mm -hmm. There's a bit of carpet in front of you, you're watching TV, why sit in your chair like that when you can watch the TV on your phone roller? Yeah. It's like, it's not hard. Mm -hmm. It's just, um, yeah. I, I ain't going to call it laziness because, as you said, I've, in, I've sort of installed that. It's like training at a certain time every day. Once you've done it for a few years and you've got it in your routine, in your system, it's set. Anyone who says they ain't got time to train is bollocks. Mm -hmm. They could write, their, write your 24 hours out to me and I'll tell you what to chuck in the bin and what to replace with training. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So, Comes down to priorities, right? Totally priorities, yeah. If if you want it, you'll do it. It's that simple. Um, you know, I've I had a few people reach out to me and say, "Oh, I don't know where you find the time to train." Bloody bloody. And I said, "Well, there. Go to your settings on your phone. Look at your screen time on your social media. And if you're probably sitting on about anywhere between three and six hours a day, even if you're half that, then you've got time to train. It's that yeah. simple. But they don't." They don't want it as much, you know. They they say they want to do it, but they can't pull their finger out of their ass to do it. So, um, look, I, I love motivation. Motivation's a big thing, but um, it's not always going to be around. So discipline, you know, will pull you through, and it will give you the freedom to to keep doing what you're doing. I want to um, see when. What year did you open your gym? Um, six years now. So I know that when I went to the games for the first time. It was when I first had this place. Yeah. So that must have been, I think it was Christmas 2014. I was sort of getting it ready, laying the floor and everything. 
-hmm. and then opened up pretty much after that. And so that 2015 then, that was the first year you qualified? Yeah. And yeah. That, oh, gee, job in London. Yeah. Run, running this place with um, Christine's help, partner, yeah. his partner. And yeah, getting ready for the games. Mm. So was that the switch that you, you think you, you needed, like you being in your own gym with, um, without the distraction of a, of a career and a full-time job that, that helped sort of nudge you over the line? No, because I was still doing the um, 9 till 5 job in London. Oh, right, okay. Well, I've got to admit, one of the main reasons was in 2015, I was 45, so I was the youngest in the category. Right. So many people, 45, 50,000 at the time, it makes a big difference from when you're 45 or when you're 49. Mm. So a little bit of a good open last year. I was third last year. Yeah. I, and that was, again, because I was in my first year. And that is why I'm so gutted about this COVID coming along this year. Mm. It's done me on my 50 and my 51. Because I right. don't think to the games this year because I don't think we're going to be flying to America. Mm. So I'm... Obviously, still going to do the Open. I've totally gone off track again, ain't I? I do that. Me and my dad both do that. We answer a question, and then we start talking about something else. That's why you keep taking me back, isn't it? That's uh, good, mate. It's, we're freestyling. It's good to go off a tangent. Um, it, it opens other subjects for us to talk about. It's something I do want to ask you a question on, because like, how do you stay so jacked all year round at 51? Like, it, it's... Honestly, like your 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 level of shape. I know you work hard. Like I, I get you put in the effort, but is is like have you always been relatively lean, sort of body fat? Yeah, yeah. Even before I started training, I was like I had a six pack before I done sit ups. So my dad, he looks a bit like um, Robert Carlyle, sort of. Well, he he don't look like Robert Carlyle, but you know that sort of drawn in look. Someone who goes to the, to the pub all the time and don't put on any weight. He's got that sort of wiry look about him. He's still right. got some, well. Hmm. What, what was your, your dad's obviously been a, a massive influence in, in your, in your sort of early days and, in, and installed, you know, for a four or five year old to be doing sit-ups and press-ups. What, what, what sort of background has your dad, has he got a sporting background at all? He's a jockey. Right. Yeah. He right. used to um, company I worked at for about 20 years, like printers. Mm. Um, he used to play a lot of football, semi-professional. Um, he's got two new knees now from that, though. Mm. So hopefully, I don't. Well, he had two. He needed new knees by the time he was forty, so I've done better than him. Yeah. Uh, and then he got into horse racing because my granddad used to own a bookmakers. So mm. he used to go to Newmarket, loved to gamble. So he used to gamble. They got him with one of the trainers, and then he started exercising the racehorses, and then turned into a jockey. Even won a race once on TV. You know when they have the um, afternoon racing on? Yeah. Yeah. That got played every day for about a year, that video. <laughs> that race. Jesus. <laughs> on that in the end, I tell you. Because it was videotaped back then. They, I mean, he, he must be a quite a light, short guy, is he? He's about five foot ten, and he used to get down to about nine stone. Um, he was an amateur, like an amateur jockey. You can, you can go a little bit heavier when you're an amateur jockey. Yeah. So he needed to buy shares in racehorses in order to get rides. Because mm -hmm. they don't just like, no one's going to say, oh, no, no, I'll have Mick Jenkins riding miles. Because he weren't that good. <laughs> He's good. He was good. Yeah. 
he did have to buy shares mm. in his to get rides. <laughs> yeah. He still um, goes now. He still does what, sorry? He goes to the gym now. He's like flies around in a van delivering um meals to people that can't get out during COVID and all that. Most of them younger than him. Yeah. yeah. Flying about like a loon. He's still still gymming it then. How old is he? Um he's seventy six. Yeah. Year out either way, as I guess. He's like me, we don't really like our birthdays, so he don't take much notice of it. Mm. Yeah. He's um yeah, he works in he works for the in the church in his little village. He's a proper busybody at the minute. Yeah. That reminds me, there's like a South American tribe that after their 21st birthday, they don't, they stop counting their age. Yeah. These are, these are like cowboys. So they're all, they're like 15 hours in the saddle, like rounding up herd across the plains or whatever. And then in the evening, they um, like drink their own homemade sort of moonshine brew, get pissed as a fart and then wake up and go and that does sound good. I missed the tiny bit then, you cut out a little bit then, but yeah, that sounds, that sounds a lot like my life, really. <laughs> Dogs and cats have years, you know, they say dog years or cat years, yeah. I'll say Scott years, <laughs> no, um, what's that? you know, the again, the late developer thing, yeah, I matured at 16. I went through yeah. puberty at 16. Most kids, I think, was 12 or 13. Which means every 12 years, I've got 16. So when I'm 32, I'm 24. So when I was 48, I'm like 32 in Scott years. So you got, was it seven years for a dog? Nine yeah, years? Seven years. So a 10 year old dog's 70, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So 48 year old me. No, a 32-year-old me is 24. <laughs> or a 48-year-old me is 36. <laughs> so you're... Whatever you are on your birth certificate, you're minus 12 years. Yeah. No, depending. It gets further as you get older. Right, okay. 16 years, I only age 12. <laughs> it's Scott years. Um, talk to me about your thousand burpees. First oh. but you know what you said when you said that to me? I said, I don't remember doing it. I know I probably did do it because I used to do stupid things all the time. This is what you told me. I remember saying, I remember saying something to you like, oh, I fucking hate burpees or burpees suck. And you was like, that's why you got to fucking do them. Do them so much. He went, then you won't hate them. Then you get good at them. And then you told me, you said, you once done a thousand burpees once because you hated them so much. But it was in between cigarette breaks, going outside the gym to smoke, and then you'd come back in and do like sets of hundred or whatever. Yeah, one day I think we'd done um, a thousands of a few things, and I think we even ended up going home from the gym and going back to the gym to get it done. We done an Angie once, Angie's hundred pull-ups, hundred push-ups, hundred sit-ups, hundred squats, but a thousand version. Just. <laughs> When I started CrossFit, they're the sort of things that we used to do that I, now I look back and think, I got away with it back then because I started CrossFit at 37. Yeah. I get away with doing stupid things then. I wouldn't get away with it now. I know I'd get an overuse. I've done something pretty stupid on um, Sunday. Um, thousand deadlifts. <laughs> 1,500 dumbbell snatch. 1,500 
glute bridges and 620 bench presses. I had to stop the bench presses because my shoulder was going in the space. <laughs> I was going to do a thousand of them. But it was um, three and a half hours I was here training continuously, weights. See, I've always liked that 100 number for some reason. And, you know, I do a lot of hundreds of things, but I think you're probably the only person I've met that does things in a thousand, Scott. Thousands are a true test. Anyone can do 100. Yeah. I've seen well, well, for something, so, and she don't like training, so there you go. What would you say to someone who, who's, um, who's maybe listening to this and, and, you know, wants to train, but it tells themselves that they're, they're too old to train. What, what would you say to that? Oh, there's something for everyone. So I've been, since I've been coaching, anyone that comes in here, any exercise on my board, I can give them an alternative mm -hmm. to suit them. It don't matter if they're just unfit, they've got an arm that don't work, a knee that's totally shot for the rest of their lives. We can find something that give them the similar stimulus, just either lighter, different completely yeah i do it every day anyone can do it and you know the biggest step to coming into say a crossfit gym is walking through the door yeah most people some people even train half fast for six months just to walk through the door and start crossfit they've just wasted six months mm. when they could come in and get actual direction yeah agreed agreed just don't think i'm going to do it tomorrow if you say to yourself i'm going to do it tomorrow fuck off don't do it tomorrow, do it now. Mm. Straight away. Yeah, agreed. Why put off something you can do today to do tomorrow, right? Yeah, definitely. If you've got time, which we know everyone has because of their screen time and they're watching telly or if they're doing anything else or just like laying there with a gaunt look on their face, <laughs> do it, you know? I remember being on my CrossFit Level 1 at um, CrossFit Thames in London and uh, there was an American girl there and she was sort of saying like, you know, effectively, it doesn't matter whether you're a 200 kilo deadlifter or an 85 year old granny picking up um, two shopping bags, you know, when you put your keys down to open your front door, effectively, you're doing a similar type of movement. And, you know, like you say, anything can be scaled for whether you're this sort of, you know, 22 year old athletic stud or you're, you know, moving into your into your seventies or your eighties. There's always something that can be done. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about um, your, your journey with your gym, then, because I know you you're obviously there in CrossFit Blackwater now. Um, that was that was a, a dream of yours, I know, to have your own gym. Um, and tell talk to me about the last I've sort of taken you. So, yeah, it was. The, I reckon I was looking around for a unit and deciding where I was going to go for about a year in general. Um, it's not easy getting a unit. The change of use is the worst thing. Cause I don't know why, but the council, they just do not like giving you change of use. But I got really lucky and I found this unit and it had been a karate gym in the past, so I didn't need to put the um, change of use on it. Um, I've got to say, um, Rob knows this, every coach, I suppose every coach has got a little bit of a different perspective on the on training and things. Mm -hmm. I'm more old-fashioned than him. I'm, I'm the older CrossFit methodology, whereas I always thought Rob was always 
jump into new things. I prefer to stay back and be a bit longer time on something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought I prefer to do it in my own way, in my own place. Yeah. Um, so when I started, didn't do much marketing whatsoever. Thought, got a little bit of a base going. You know, you start when you start, you're running classes with one, two people in them, and you mm-hmm. just build them classes up and just get word of mouth. Word of mouth is the only way. Yeah. I think um, I went to something once and they said that they paid um, the best part of 300 grand for this billboard. And every single new member that come in, they asked them, what made you come here? And they said to them, word of mouth, someone had told them. Mm. Yeah. I immediately heard that there was another CrossFit gym opening up about a mile away in Whitham when I found this place. Yeah. I was also very pleased to hear who was opening it. Probably the best competition a person could get without being um, derogatory. Quite a long word for me about him. I'll, I'll say I was quite pleased to have him as competition. Mm. The only trouble is um, when people go there because they Google it and it comes up first, it sometimes puts them off of CrossFit. But yeah, they're still hanging on. They're no longer CrossFit no more. Okay. They jumped on that um, Greg Glassman bandwagon. Oh, right, okay. When, well, um, he, when he was accused of saying really bad stuff when he weren't. He's just an old boy that speaks his mind, do you know what I mean? Mm. Like me. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I want to, I want to um, bring up another one of your stories that you told me. So on the, on the eve of a... CrossFit Open workout, which is the sort of quali- first qualifying round. Um, you said that you was going to go home to watch three hundred testicles. Okay. So on the eve of a CrossFit Open workout, you was going to go home, watch the film three hundred, and eat some lamb's testicles because it will give you more testosterone for the workout the following day. They do sell them, you know. Yeah. Got going to Greek butchers. Yeah. So did you have them? It raises your testosterone levels, but you've got to leave the spunk in them. <laughs> Fucking hell. That bit up. I'll tell people that. No, but I guess there's got to be some in there, isn't there? There's, well, there's got to be some sheep stuff in there. Yeah, I'm not sure how that will flow in the human body. You don't want to eat, what's it called, when you can't, when you ain't got no sperm can? What, lamb's testicles? Yeah, you don't want to eat, eat um... oh, God, can't think of the word for it. Yeah, you don't want to eat lamb, not lamb's testicles, um, sheep's testicles. Got them yeah. grow. Okay. <laughs> the big gonads. Yeah. The big gonads in. Um, yeah, got a few more films since then that I've got go-to for before workout days. Go on, give me some of your motivational films. Scarface is good. Yeah. The- keeps moving forward while he's getting shot the fuck out of yeah and still walking into that that is how i like to i'll put that tony's theme on my thing when i do competitions workouts or qualifiers in here and yeah. i think that if someone can take being machine gunned in the chest and still move forward how can i not move forward into another burpee you know he was off his tits on cocaine right i know <laughs> Produce that without cocaine. 
Um, a lot of days in this gym when I'm in here totally on my own, I think, fuck me, if there was a video camera in here. <laughs> you should do it, mate. You should start vlogging. I reckon you'd become an overnight... Um... Uh, well, what I've started doing is I've started doing workout videos for my members. Mm-hmm. And there was quite a few, um, yeah, there was quite a few bits that I put onto um, Instagram that were quite amusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do, they do enjoy my. I think they watch my videos to see how I messed up rather than, um, rather than for what the workout was. Hmm. So this this jump back to the CrossFit Games then. So you'd spent the whole time chasing, or I'm assuming the goal was to not just qualify, knowing you. I don't think you'd be satisfied with anything other than first place because of your competitiveness. But that, that, that's one side for the minute. What was it like for you arriving in America knowing that, you know, you're going to be throwing down against some of the, well, not some, the, you know, the most elite CrossFit athletes in the world in your age division? You know, was there a moment of, um, was you proud of that moment? Yeah. I was- or was it that you were- Definitely proud. Um, I weren't nervous about my competition. I tend to, I tend to get quite hate-filled for my competition. I'd watch their names popping up over the open for five weeks constantly. Um, yeah, I can be pretty bad with my thoughts about people that compete against me because they're like basically they're trying to take what I want. Mm-hmm. If someone's trying to take what I want. I find it very hard to be friendly with them. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember getting there. I think I got there about three three days before it started. And I do remember waking up one morning and looking out, especially the morning of the games, and thinking, I can still remember the view, some palm trees and that. You know, mm. the old-fashioned American motels, I was standing in one of them, and yeah. I was on the walkway veranda. Yeah, having a fag in the morning, looking at the palm trees. And I thought, shit, yeah, this is going to be hard. Yeah, yeah, and it was, but yeah, I, no, I didn't fear my um, opposition enough. Um, in 2015, I got to say it's probably the only ever competition I've gone into without a huge fear of losing because I tried to get there for so long. It was like my goal had been achieved that year, mm. and I think I actually competed quite well because I didn't have that extra fear. Sometimes I can get, if I'm in, like, say, a British competition where I think I should win, or um, as people have said to me, in a sort of, not in a good positive way, they say, you say you've got a God, God-given right to win and you lose it if you don't. I can be like that with things. I know how hard I work. And, um, yeah, if someone I see ain't working as hard as me, he's beating me, I don't like it. I really don't. Even, even the youngsters, I don't like it. I can't stand it. Are you able to sort of um, put that hate to one side after the event and sort of shake hands and, and and relax and chill out with your competitors, or do you? Is that what fuels you for the next years coming? Um, no. <laughs> I've got to admit, I was um, in Cyprus at the Cyprus Throwdown, and I had a really bad first day. I had a brilliant start to the competition because the first event was rowing and. Not big-headed, no crossfitter gets near me on rowing. When mm. I row competitions, I row against rowers. So it was a 20-minute row for max distance. Mm-hmm. And your scores was after four minutes and 20. And I, I won it. I was pretty much waving to the camera. My mate was videoing me at the end of that. Second event, however, was swimming in the sea. 
I, oh, I am useless. I feel like I'm drowned as soon as I get in. I went yeah. on, got to the 50 metre mark in first place, finished in 14th. <laughs> there was top 20 in that as well. And it totally right. bugged me up. Um, so I was in ninth place in a European competition after the first day. And I was just, I got up for breakfast the next morning and I see two, two guys who've come to this gym and trained with me quite friendly, who were both uh, ahead of me on the lead all the time eating breakfast. So I had to walk up the road and sit on the wall for half an hour till they were at the breakfast stall before I could eat my breakfast because I did not want to talk to anyone yeah. until I'd done them first two events that day and got at least, because I got at least top two in both of them, mm. which I did luckily. And then I, I jumped up the leaderboard into third place after that. And then I could talk to them. So yeah, if you wanted honesty, I can't help it. When I am a bad loser, oh my God. There's, you know when there's something inside you that don't let you be you you want to be nice you want to be that good person yeah, yeah. I can't. well another memory and um, the reason why i'm smiling and chuckling because i can remember it like it was yesterday um but you was coming back from an injury and um we was doing a, a metcon together and the workout finished and I didn't really know what was going on. My eyes were spinning in the back of my head and I was sweating and just trying to hit the deck, really. And you come over and you went to me, you went, that will be the one and only time you ever beat me. And it's only because I'm fucking injured. You'll never do it again. <laughs> and, I was yeah. like, and I was like, is he serious? He's like, yeah, he yeah, he is 100% serious. Very, totally very serious. Yeah, 110% serious. But um, I've got a sense of humour about it. And generally, uh, I have it, these tantrums and say things like that. About four to five hours down the line, when I calm down, I do actually laugh at our fucking shit. <laughs> uh, it's brilliant. And, and like that, I, I, love, I love that level of competing. Um, you know, some people, uh, they shrink and it swallows them up and they can't deal with it. Um, for me, I, that stokes my fire up. Like, um, I don't know if you've ever read this book, Scott, but I, I think you'd love it. It's, you know, David Goggins, the ex-US Navy SEAL. Yeah, I've heard of him, yeah, yeah. He's got a book called Can't Hurt Me. And um, just just the way he talks about, like, when when the going gets tough. So, you know, the, the, the famous US SEALs uh, buds training that they do, this, like, they hell week that they just try and break them to pieces. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, and Wednesday is notoriously always the day that like a lot of people fall out because they're sort of I can't remember if it's three or five days into it, and um, he got all his boat crew together on that Wednesday and said, "Look, this is the day that we start taking souls. There will be people people falling, getting stronger, and it's just a mentality switch." Like, you know, they ended up, they was carrying these boats above their head, so they started doing shoulder presses with it. And all the teams around them was like, how oh, these guys got the energy to, to, to do that? Like, we can barely even hold it up. And it's, it's, just, it's just that change of mindset. Um, but this leads me into my, my list of questions, mate. We have a, a bunch of chasing discomfort questions that we ask all our guests. And uh, there's no right or wrong answer, mate. Just, just hit me with your first thought. So what is the number one non-negotiable rule that you live by? Win. Winners win. <laughs> Punish yourself. Train harder. Yeah. Then, yeah. 
do you have a favourite quote or philosophy that you use? Probably, but it can't. It ain't coming in my mind right now. But I do love that. Do something that scares you every day. Yeah. Um, if you could pick a dream car, any car in the world, what would it be to drive? Um, I'm not really into cars, but I'd love one of them um, black. What are they called? Oh fuck up! It should be quicker than this, shouldn't I? It's like an old American car, Ford thing, Mustang. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Ford Mustang with rusty doors. <laughs> why, why rusty doors? I don't know. You know, like that red door where it ain't been painted. Yeah. Not that red door and the rest of it matte black. You want that vintage sort of looking? Yeah, a nasty looking car. Yeah. yeah. Proper old school American muscle car. Yeah. That's that bursting out of his t shirt. Um, if you could invite two dinner guests, either dead or alive, to come and have dinner with you, who would it be? Um, Cole Pilkington. Yeah. Definite. Yeah. And probably someone like, oh, what's his name from um, 8 out of 10 Cats? The one with the, the old guy with a bald head. Um, never think of his name. Jimmy Carr, I'm thinking of. 8 out of 10 Cats. Teens, glasses. Is it Sean something? Sean Locke. Yes. Sean yeah. and um, Carl Pilkington. I think that would be so funny. I think Sean Locke would just feed him and get him going, a bit like Ricky Gervais does. <laughs> yeah, there'd be definitely some tears of laughter in that dinner. It makes a lot of sense, Carl Pilkington, you know, if you ever listen to it. He's the guy who done Idiot Abroad, right? Yeah, that's him, yeah. Yeah. If I'm in a bad mood, I'll put Cole Pilkington on. I can't help but laugh. <laughs> um, what would be your ring walk song? Ring walk song? Yeah. Something really, really sort of pet shop boys or something like that. Nothing like, um, nothing like angry. I prefer something, yeah, something cheesy. Yeah, like an 80s sort of... Uh... 80s music. Techno or something like that. <laughs> um, this, so this, the next question is, book you've read or listened to more than once and why? Yeah, I'm not a big reader, Jay. No? No. Um, I've read The Zombie Survival Guide a few times. It's about, the guy who wrote it, it's like he believes it's happened already in many places. Hmm. And he actually quotes and shows places through history where they've like just written off an island, don't go there. But you know what? It's probably really severe illnesses where they've just let the population die. Yeah. But yeah, Zombie Survival Guide. This place is pretty good as well. If we have a, like, that's what I mean. I'm made for a zombie apocalypse. I'm not made <laughs> for the COVID one. The stay in your house and do nothing apocalypse. I'm <laughs> sure that. I want the zombie apocalypse. You're up for chopping zombies' heads off with barbells. You're fighting for your life then, and there's something happening, and it's a, more interesting. But letting this thought of like us going under because of a bloody virus that gets you like that, yeah, that's not my thing. I know it's not anyone's thing, but yeah. Yeah. Now we, um, yeah, it, it, that we could probably spend hours talking about the COVID climate and, and political views, but we try and um, we try and be COVID free if we can on this podcast because uh, I think people need a little bit more positivity in their lives so that they're getting chucked down their throat with the usual media sort of streams. Agreed. 
Um, what do you do when you start to feel a bit down or a bit off? Drink. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you said first thing it comes in the head. Yeah. Um, <laughs> training a lot of the time. I'll pick one of my favourite workouts. My favourite is called Fortitude. Mm-hmm. It's um, You do a number of calorie row in one minute. Then the next minute you do a number of burpees. And you keep that going for half an hour. I do it almost every week. And is that is that the same calories? So say twenty one calories, twenty one burpees. Is... You can do that. I will um, bow to you, and I don't do that easy. I'll say you are better than me. No, honestly, you cannot do twenty one of each. Yeah. So My what? And it's twenty calorie row on the first minute and fifteen burpees. I think yeah. I'm more though. Okay, so fifteen rounds of that. Yeah, half an hour workout. Yeah, it is revolving. You're going to do it now, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I am. I'm... I need something like that, like a little push. So, um... oh, it's it's um it's the it's a special workout that's made for staying in the minute. Don't think of the half hour, or it'll, it'll overwhelm you. You yeah. just got to stay in that minute, get that minute done, and then move on. At the end of it, yeah. you'll have a feeling of euphoria because you've completed it. Yeah, I'd even I, say I start off with twelve and twelve. I like them workouts, like you know the Miko Triangle workout. Yeah, I, I like that sort of stuff. I, I find um, over the years, like I, I really enjoy those ones where you know you're halfway in, and you don't think you're gonna make it, and then you know you just get on with it and you pull yourself through it, and then you, like you say, you have that euphoria of completing it. And the second half is always goes quicker and is always better. Yeah, well, what a bad training day means. It means tomorrow's going to be a good training day. It always works like that. Whenever you have a bad training day, the next day is always a really good training day. Well, another thing I always remember you, you telling me as well is that, you know, if you were struggling with your training or having a bit of a bad time or feeling a bit sort of off or not, not right with it, then just go and pick something that you're good at and just have program yourself a good workout and then you get back in the groove, you get happy with, with your performance and then you can sort of kick on from there. And I've always... I've always kept that sort of in my locker room that if I'm getting a little bit pissed off with performance or times or strength, I'll just go back to that and go and program myself something that I'm good at. And I always find that sort of gets me out my little, my little rut. And sometimes make sure it's something you've never done before as well. So a different variation on a workout you like. Yeah. That under pressure to beat a time you've done before. Yeah. If you're in a bit of a rut and you don't beat your... PB, which is hard to do, especially when you've um, done a workout a lot of times, it'll put you worse in one. So I'm never going to do a workout with thrusters in if I'm in a really bad mood because I know what's going to happen. I'm going to just totally bounce out halfway through the thrusters. Yeah. I hate thrusters. Yeah. Because I'm built like a bleeding um, daddy long legs. <laughs> well, this. Let's keep moving because that's a good question I want to come to in a second there. So, um, number one life hack. Okay, I'll say I'm fit, but what's a life hack? So, it's like a terminology for like um, something that makes your life better, but it's really simple. So, like a, a really efficient way of doing something. So, um, people say like... The, the one that I keep on thinking of for some reason is cleaning your teeth in the shower. Because you, you're standing in the shower anyway and you're, you're going to have to stand in the mirror and clean your teeth. So it's just like... Don't, make, 
I do tend to have a slash when I'm cleaning my teeth. <laughs> and the toilet then as well. <laughs> There's that honesty creeping in. I love it. I love yeah. it. Um, do you like most things? That's what spirit. I'm for. Say that again, I mate. My favourite meal. Codding butter sauce, mashed potato and peas. You can put them all in the same boiling pan of water. Yeah. Yeah. Just put that's, the pan in the plate or so they get really mushy. That's your go-to, is it? Yeah, definitely. I like and it. I have it's a whip out. I do like it. Then you just mix it all in together. Mash the potato, loads of butter, peas, codding butter sauce. Mm. You don't know if you're eating potato or fish till it's in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what is your favourite film? Um, said a bit about that before, but favourite film when I'm in a good mood, Kevin and Perry Go Large. <laughs> I've watched that so many times, I can't say it ain't my favourite. Yeah. Scarface, love that. Um, really like the look of a film that I haven't seen yet, the, Joe, the new Joker film. Yeah, that, that is... Yeah, it's it's definitely definitely worth a watch. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, really differing views on that, but I will be watching that in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and there, there's a song that will be in your head for weeks after it. It's brilliant. It, it's yeah. Um, have you seen the Mark Wahlberg film about Michael Murphy in Afghanistan? Yes. You enjoy that? Yeah, that's where they got that workout fortitude from. Right. Okay. No Drag himself to the village. Yeah. And he used a stick and he made a line in the dirt and then he crawled to that line and he never fought beyond the line. Yeah. They've like created fortitude for you only doing that minute, then the next minute. I know it's harder crawling on your stomach with your legs hanging off is harder than um, burpees, but that's what makes you keep going, that sort of thing. Yeah. Always that. People, when they say to me, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that. Jesus Christ, imagine if they'd been in the trenches. Mm. That I can't drag myself back to that trench because my leg's hanging off or something like that. Yeah. They've got a clue. That's why I've got so much admiration for, um, you know, the, the ex-military guys. You know, politically aside, you know, everyone can argue whether wars are right or, or wrong, but those are the guys that are in, in the firing line, you know, and putting their bodies and, and lives on the line. Um, yeah. That Marcus, um, what was his surname? Oh, I can't, I can't think of it. But that was the guy. He, he was. He's. I've read a book called The Last Survivor, and that was written by him. I think it's Marcus Trilly. I've probably got that surname wrong. But he was the guy who dragged himself down to that Afghan village where they've got the traditional sort of ancient way that anyone coming into their village they have to look after. Um. Really involved in the making of that film, um, and there's like a 20 or 30 minute uh, video on YouTube that shows you him and Mark Wahlberg going through the level of detail to get that um, that film spot on. Anyway, let's keep moving before we turn this into Barry Barry Knight's film night. Um, what is the man? What's your mantra when the going gets tough? Mantra. Yeah, like what do you sort of repeat to yourself in your head? I repeat to myself that I'm gonna. If you do not, if you do not do this, if you do not win, you're gonna spend a lot of time feeling shit. I know that 
I know that I'll feel a lot worse if I stop a workout halfway or quit or sandbag or give up. I know that that feeling is going to last with me for a long time. So I just tell myself that. It's like I threaten myself. Mm. And if I hear anything, um, I know when Monty is talking. Monty is that voice in your head that gives you excuses, yeah? Yeah. Don't the fucking Monty. That's my mantra. Right. Monty says, you don't have to do that today. He's the one who gives you the easy option all the time. No, you don't have to push there. You pushed there yesterday. Mm. Yeah. Monty is your weakness. And the more Monty speaks, the stronger he gets. I like that. You want him to be a little wreck in the corner like Voldemort was at the end. I still, think you, I'm still on fucking films. I think you should get a T-shirt that says fuck Monty on or something like that. Yeah, fuck Monty. <laughs> um, do you have a favourite sweet treat? Uh, granola. Yeah. I ain't got that sweet a tooth. That tastes really sweet to me. Granola yeah. or granola with milk. Uh, I love that. Um, if I had to go into a sweet shop and get something, I'd have Bonville dark chocolate. Yeah. Yeah, that's bad. And that's a pretty bad answer, isn't it? I don't mind a Christmas pudding at Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's your yeah. answer, mate. It, like I say, it doesn't matter. I, I've um, I've got into dark chocolate at the moment, and you, I never would have touched it. But um, right, favourite place in the UK. Favourite place in the UK. Probably bore the mouse. Yeah, I, how comes? I don't think I know that. To be fair, uh, it's on the it's on the road that leads from here to Chelmsford. Mm. You're not meant to go in there, <laughs> but it's right. like property. It's got a massive lake, and you get some really rare species of ducks there. Oh, it's, right. it's a good place if you want to have a little sit and a chill to go and sit. Yeah, I haven't really travelled that much around um, the UK, to be honest. But international destination. International Cyprus. I do like Cyprus. I love the. Um, I really. I seem to really get on well with Greek Cypriots. Yeah. Uh, I think it's because I used to live around Enfield area and I grew up with a lot of them. So. Mm. Yeah, I, lo I love Cyprus. Um, Greece. Been over the other side a few times. Um, Mexico was good. Yeah, I like Mexico. Yeah. If you had to pick one dinner for the rest of your life, what would it be? Um, fish and chips. <laughs> Best and worst exercise movement? The worst exercise ever invented is a pistol. Yeah. People 10 burpees for even saying that word in my gym. <laughs> it's like asking someone to break their knees. Mm. Um, my favourite CrossFit movement, probably ring dips or muscle ups. Cool. Favourite sport? Favourite sport other than CrossFit, yeah? Yeah. Snooker. Snooker, yeah. Snooker, looping nuts all week. I like playing it and I like watching it, so. Yeah. Right, final question, Scott. And um, this is what we normally end on. So what advice would you give to a younger Scott Jenkins? Start CrossFit earlier. <laughs> Don't start when you're 37. <laughs> Be sensible and don't break your joints. Yeah, agreed. Just start. I'd have actually, you know what? 
I'd advise myself to start with bodybuilding like I did. It's probably the best thing I did because it just makes all your joints so strong. Then when you start doing CrossFit and throwing yourself around a bit more, you're more, more likely not to get injured. Yes, yeah, you... I'd, I'd love to go back and, and start myself training for CrossFit stuff. Do you follow like uh, or do any of the sort of functional type of bodybuilding stuff that they do? Functional bodybuilding? Um, do you mean just normal bodybuilding or...? Yeah, well, look, I, look, I'm in the same boat as you, mate. It's basically marketing. They've dressed it up in a different category, but there is there is some sort of, you know, movements change all the time. And yeah. when, for me, bodybuilding is like, I used to follow the Arnie Encyclopedia, you know, that, that sort of chest, back, buys, tries, that sort of split. Um, to me, in my head, that's what the bodybuilding world is. But this more sort of functional bodybuilding where it's a bit more like sort of superset. So it's not as intense... Oh, as, yeah. a, as a wad or a workout, but it's more like sort of, you know, doubling or tripling up on a superset. That's how I always used to do bodybuilding. That's why people thought I was doing CrossFit when I was bodybuilding. Mm. Um, I do try and tell people a lot that CrossFitters, they're constantly looking on how to get faster. So they're constantly cutting corners. They're keeping more movements. They're trying not to get out of breath. They're trying not to get a lactic acid build up in their arms and their legs. They're trying to get through a workout as quick and easy as possible, yeah? Don't mm -hmm. train that. When, I, when you do a CrossFit workout and you're training, not competing, try to make that lactic acid come. Try to go unbroken. Try and go touch and go with the reps rather than doing singles. Why would you train dropping the bar every rep when you can build up, like, grip strength and endurance? So, yeah, in that way... Combining a bit of bodybuilding thinking with CrossFit thinking, bodybuilders want to create lactic. CrossFitters want to get through workouts without creating lactic. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So that combination, what you just said, I think, yeah, I've been thinking that way for a while now without really putting it together like that. So that helps. That was a lot of help, yeah? Yeah. Cool. All right, mate. Whereabouts can um, people find you online? Shout out your, your handles, where you're at. So I'm on um, Instagram. I'm CF Blackwater. Yeah. And um, that's CrossFit Blackwater. Mm -hmm. um, got CrossFitBlackwater.com is my website. Scott Jenkins on Facebook. Um, also got a CrossFit Blackwater page on Facebook. Yeah, I'm not on Twitter. Blew me head up, that did. Legend. Pretty much all the places. We're in um, we're in Wyrm. And anyone wants to come along and try out for free taster, you're welcome once we're open again. Yeah, and get down. Come down and have a workout, like you said you would, when I looked above your message. Yeah, I know, I know. Me, me, me and Chelsea said we've got, we've got to get down and, and go and do a workout with Scotty. Um, so we, we will we will do it, mate, 100, 110%. We will get there and... Um, you can come and wipe the floor of us and we can fucking look up, up for a foot and think, fucking hell, I wish I, I'm going to be that fit when I'm Scott's age. I'm a, I am a bit nicer now. Back yeah. in your day, the CrossFit crowd were more athletes from different sports. Yeah. Nowadays, you get more sort of like diversity in, in the people that come across CrossFit. Hmm. So I, I have to be a little bit, um, I have to tone it down a little bit now. I've learned how to do that, though. Well, um, I, I want that old Scotty when, when we meet up and do that workout. Train with me. <laughs> Train with me. You'll get it. Don't worry. 
Kishti. Yeah. Top man. Scott, I really appreciate your time, mate. It's been great catching up with you. You're a legend. You can obviously tell that, you know, the influence you've had in me um, from coaching me and, you know, those those little nuggets that you dropped to me over the years. Um, so thank you. I appreciate you, brother. Keep doing your thing. You're an that um, I've got some sort of percentage of your fitness when I get to, to you know, your age and, um, yeah full of admiration keep doing what you're doing and um yeah take care brother thanks a lot jay it was right, and you boom and we're done thank you for listening um really enjoyed that conversation with scott i hope you got something out of it um please if you can share this with friends family anyone you think would be interested in listening um if you can leave us a review um, or a rating that would be really appreciative too head over to our instagram at i am chasing discomfort and at team chasing discomfort for any feedback dms etc and um yeah thanks for your support let's go